Oh, hi, Mark. The biggest match in history right here. Come on, guys, let's brainstorm this puppy. And I'm gonna spell it out for you. I'm not a good guy. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Wishful Booking. My name is Liam McNulty. I am joined via satellite by Jimmy Moorcraft. What's going on, man? How are you guys doing? We are uh, We're trying out something new. Um, I can't see you. <laughs> no, you cannot. Are you Jimmy or are you John Cena? I'm taking over Bizongo's duties and I'm, I'm in a secret disguise right now. Oh, wow. You're deep cover. Very, very deep cover. Okay. Undercover. Okay. That sounds official. Just act natural. Uh, <laughs> uh, so let's get into Monday Night Raw from this past week, and we'll talk about the Extreme Rules card for this Sunday's Raw brand-hosted event along the way. Cool? Sounds like a plan. All right. I guess the first question I had coming out of Raw was this whole Kurt Angle storyline. So you were probably noticing, I was definitely noticing when Corey was just staring at his phone after the first segment when they cut to the commentary. And then obviously that turned into an awkward moment where... Cole very, I thought very animatedly, tried to throw to Graves, and Graves was obviously distracted by his phone. And then Graves goes to show Angle what he was looking at, they talk about it briefly, but they definitely leave it with a cliffhanger. My gut tells me it's going to have something to do with Stephanie returning, but that's about all I can say for it so far. What were your feelings? Um, well, first off, I'm very excited that Corey Graves is actually getting integrated into a storyline. I don't know if it's going to be anything long-term, but I am kind of excited that, you know, he was a talent at NXT, and obviously he's very good at talking, which is why he's been given the commentating position. Definitely. But uh, just him in general having more of an active role on the show is going to be interesting going forward. Uh, in regards to this storyline, my first instinct was Stephanie McMahon, and it made me roll my eyes a bit, but I'm going to give it a chance. We've seen Kurt Angle and Stephanie before, which is a good thing based on the history, but... I just was hoping that they wouldn't do the old tried-and-true Stephanie McMahon versus Kurt Angle, and it leads to some type of match down the road. So right. it's funny to say that this could damage Kurt Angle based upon like everything that he's been through, <laughs> yeah. both, both in kayfabe and like, in his real life. Yeah. Um, that kind of made me chuckle. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I just don't really know what else to say about it. Other than that, I do think Stephanie is behind it. And I don't know really what they were even reading. Yeah. Like, they were very vague. I don't know if it was, like, an article posted, if it was, like, something, like, corporate, like a review, something like stockholders. Like, it, it was left very open-ended. Like, was it right. like, a blog site? Is Corey Graves, like, the IWC, like, spokesman? The impression that I got was that he got a text from, like, a restricted ID. A lot of times my imagination kind of takes over and fills in the blanks for WWE. Um, because my first thought when he said, if this is true, it'll ruin me. I'm like, what does he have amnesia? He's like, wait, did I cheat in the Olympics? (laughs) (laughs) You know, like he's, he's not going to be disgraced in that way, obviously. Um, but, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Another question on raw now, a reoccurring question is who attacked Enzo More? Oh, let me ask you this about that Monday night. Cause this was another way Corey was kind of involved in this storyline. Did you get the impression Because when Cass came out to confront Corey, I knew what Cass was talking about right away, but I didn't get the impression like he seemed to that Corey had indicated Cass was behind the attack. I thought that all Corey was saying was he was sure Cass saw the video because Cass, like Angle, is trying to get to the bottom of who attacked Enzo. What was your thought on that? 
well, Corey Graves is kind of the de facto heel commentator, so I did kind of get the impression that he was hinting at Big Cass having an involvement. But it could be viewed when, both ways. I mean, Corey when, Graves kind of reacted in like that, you know, heel, like, almost like a Paul Heyman, like, I'm just an advocate kind of way. Right. So, and, you know, he's just a commentator. So but, I kind of think that he was alluding to it, to be honest. When you first saw it, or only after Cass came out and confronted him about it, though? Before Cass came out, like, I got the impression he was like, oh, like, I think Big Cass knows exactly what the deal is. Oh, okay. Only because Corey Graves, week after week, you know, hates Enzo and says how he hopes, like, things happen to him. So it would make sense oh, in his character yeah. as a commentator to kind of think that, oh, well, of course Big Cass would want to beat him up. He's yeah. annoying, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. I could be wrong, okay. but that, that's how I viewed it. No, definitely. I just, you know, I didn't initially perceive it that way. So when Cass is questioning him about it, I'm like, no, 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 Cass, you completely misunderstood what he said. But I guess, you know, there's different ways to interpret it, obviously. I do think that Cass was definitely very aggressive with Kurt Angle. I mean, obviously, Big Cass loves Enzo, and, you know, anyone who has the tag team partner beat up, you know, two consecutive weeks would be angry. But even the first week it happened, the way he was talking to Kurt was a little surprising to me. And then this week, he does seem very defensive. And yeah. I think it was last week. I don't think we ever got a chance to post the audio, but I told you about how the revival were seen in that interview clip that they wound up showing on Raw, how right. they were seen backstage. Right, right, right. So, yeah, we were kind of ahead of that story, just unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone listening will have to take our word on that. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But they're kind of making it seem like Cass is a possibility really early. Like, like what would be the revival or Big Cass? Yeah. And the second week into the storyline, they've already toyed with both of those possibilities, which makes me kind of hope now that it isn't one of those two, since they're already directing our attention towards those possibilities. You right. Know what I mean? That just makes me think maybe it's just a short-term story. Maybe it'll lead to something else or something, yeah, you know. that's true. Maybe that's it's just true. like the beginning of a more long-term, like a bigger picture kind of thing. I just, I can't see them. Like, do you see, who do you think it is right now? Right now, big cast probably, coming out of this latest edition of Raw. I think that as well, but can they really afford to lose a tag team like that so soon? I mean... Well, I know, I'm, especially at the DIY, just did that angle on NXT, and I mean, I don't know. I feel like Enzo and Cass beside the Hardy Boys, you know, like they the still biggest, haven't even won the tag team championship yet. Yeah, yeah, that is a good point. That does make me kind of second guess it. They've been around for closer to two years, right, on the main roster. They debuted the day after WrestleMania 32, so a little over a year. Oh, a little, a okay, half, about a year and a half. Okay. Um, it's definitely soon in the scheme of things. I just, you know, you reoccurringly hear rumblings on the internet and whatnot about how they have big plans for Cass because of his look, and eventually they're going to split. So I am predisposed to this idea. I just don't know what their motivation is. It's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing really to add to what you said, apparently. Um, Uh but yeah, so we'll see, uh, we'll see where that goes. Another big segment from Raw this past Monday was when that train went off its rails. Did you see that? Oh, God. What did you think about the much bandied about this is your life segment? Everybody's got an opinion. The overall consensus coming out of the internet is that it wasn't good, obviously, to put it lightly. (laughs) And um, the one saving grace for me, besides Alexa Bliss in general, I thought in anyone else's hands it wouldn't even have come off as good as it did. 
which isn't oh, yeah. saying much. But the fact that she had had a, a cane hidden under the table, uh, to me, that just did something for her character. It made her seem clever, like she had a plan, and it worked, regardless how cringeworthy it definitely was. Uh, what were your initial thoughts? Um, well, first of all, I mean, although the writing was absolutely horrid, it does show WWE creative and Vince McMahon's faith in Alexa, because this segment has been done, obviously, originally with Rock and Mankind. That right. was the most famous and one of the highest-rated segments, or the highest-rated. So yeah. the fact that they gave this to Alexa Bliss, despite the writing being, you know, a two-year-old probably could have written it better. Yeah, uh, It just yes, shows definitely. the faith in Alexa Bliss. And like you said, she definitely handled the material as best as she could. You could almost, like, see the way she was talking, that, like, she knew it was bad. And, like, yeah. it was just, I mean... Booker T even one point literally said, like, it's hard to watch. Oh, that was and, the perfect like, line. It, it just was the actors for me. I honestly feel like if the actors weren't as bad as they were, it would have been semi-decent. Yeah. But those actors were just, like, so... Like, how do you not, like, test something like that out in front of, you know, 12,000 people, 3 million at home? That is what blew my mind. Yeah. But, Believe it or not, I'm sure they rehearsed it. I don't know if it's the stage fright factor. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was bad. It actually... For me, by the time Bailey comes out, I'm literally thinking the best thing for her character right now would be to say, you know what, I don't know any of these people. These are all actors. This is a train wreck of a segment. Even watching wrestling, as I do regularly for years and years now, I'm like, can Bailey really have grown up with these, like, clearly just horrible actors? <laughs> right. You know, I'm just, I'm yeah. just, nobody could buy it, I guess, is, is my point. Like, nobody believes that. And so I don't even want Bailey to, even though it's literally her job to in that moment. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. But, you know, Alexa Bliss did do her part very, very well. And I love the kendo stick under the table. It was a really good, so good. Uh, way to show Alexa's, you know, character. And obviously she's a heel and whatnot. My only issue is that, first of all, I still hate the fact that this kendo stick is on a pole. I don't know why oh, they yeah, didn't call the kendo stick match. Like, they had chairs matches and ladder matches. They could have just had a bunch of kendo sticks around the ring. I mean, they had a stairs is match, for God's sake. A bunch of kendo sticks around the ring. Is that what they should have done? Like, if you could have booked this part of the story stemming from when Alexa won the title on, is that the best case scenario? Or, because if not, you know, wishful book it. Wishful book it. Um, uh, well, I would have just given them a no hold barred stipulation. The entire story upon, after, you know, when Bailey wanted the rematch clause was how you know, Bailey can't get extreme. So I understand they already have an extreme rules match. Just have two. But yeah, they, they should. But, but but even if they don't want to, just do like a no hold bar, do a street fight, you know, do something. Something that, that focuses on you that. You use multiple objects. Yeah. Um, so in this way, the entire match to me is going to be built upon trying to get up, Alexa's going to knock Bailey off, Bailey's going to knock Alexa off, finally somebody gets the kendo stick down. And I'm assuming the match is going to end shortly thereafter, whereas if it was a regular Street Fighter no holds barred stipulation, the kendo stick or whatever object could have been utilized throughout, like a yeah. normal, hard, hardcore-style match. Right. So I don't understand, and not only that, but I, I said this on the podcast already, Alexa Bliss has the benefit of being in steel cage matches and table matches. Like, she should have played that up as well. Yeah. Instead of doing a This Is Your Life segment, talk about how you know, this Sunday I'm going to once again get extreme and then show highlights from that. And she won them. She won the cage match. She won the tables match. Yeah. You know, you could show those things, not have this terrible segment, which I think that this is your life, if it was even used, should be for a more 
heated segment. I mean, so yeah. I don't even think the feud is hot enough to give it, you know, this type of iconic promo. And now I feel like, not that the entire concept is now null and void, but I don't know. It was just a big miss for me. Definitely, definitely a big misstep. And you're right. There's there's shades of good ideas in there. Alexa's doing her best to make this feud about Bailey's inability to get extreme, and they should have just stuck right. with that. They should have just done that. Because I feel like built into this match that they now have this Sunday, and I think Cole spelled out, actually, the cane isn't legal until you retrieve it. So that kind of tells me that if, if one person retrieves it, the other person takes it away and uses it, they should get disqualified. So I don't know if they're going to do something like that, but I would guess Bailey would retrieve it, and then the question would become, will she use it on Alexa or not, since that's what Alexa's been saying. Well, I actually didn't hear Michael Cole say that. That's news to me. The fact that there's disqualifications in this match are bizarre. What he said definitely left me with the impression that you're only allowed to use it after you retrieved it. That's the reason why it's hanging. Because that would be, now that we're talking about it, if that is the case, not that I'm on board with the disqualification in this match, but if that is the case... Make it that Alexa knows that and uses it to her advantage. Like, she's been teasing Bailey, you can't get extreme, you can't get extreme all month. And then she grabs the cane and allows Bailey to get it from her and then taunts Bailey and Bailey uses it and consequently gets herself disqualified. This way, Bailey was able to get extreme, but Alexa was the better for outsmarting her. Yeah, because Alexa has, been, has gotten the upper hand. I mean... Two weeks ago, Alexa hit Mickey with the kendo stick, and then Bailey came out, and Alexa kind of retreated. But, I, I mean, don't forget that there's the whole Nia Jack storyline hasn't been explored after they were in London. Oh, my God. Where, Nia, yeah, where has she been? And you're right. I haven't even been thinking about the fact. The best friend, she's supposed to be, she's supposed to be right at Alexa's side 24-7 until she gets a title shot, no? I was afraid that Alexa Bliss got the upper hand on the go-home show, and I'm thinking, they can't take this title off Alexa so early. So I, and the way I would wish she'll book it, and also, oh. I think it's still my prediction, would have Nia interfere in the match. With you saying that there's disqualifications, I don't know if that would result in a disqualification, or whatever the case may be, but, um, yeah, I mean, Nia even tweeted after the Money in the Bank announcement, like a little knock on Raw, saying, I like how SmackDown utilizes their entire women's division. She likes yeah. that. So she's even like acknowledging that that story isn't being talked about right now. Yeah, 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 totally. That she's not going to be there at Extreme Rules because, I don't know. I feel maybe like they, maybe they encouraged her to say that. Because another thing is, looking at the poll they had it set up on Raw, that thing is high. Both Bailey and Alexa, it strikes me, are going to have to actually climb that thing to grab the cane. They're not just going to be able to stand on the turnbuckle and get it. So, I, you know, yeah. saying that Naya, and, and again, the phrasing that I walked away with was whoever grabs the cane first is allowed to use it legally. You know, it doesn't say anything about being in the match or not. If Nia gets the cane and uses it on Bailey, maybe that's legal for her to use it since she got the cane? Or am I, you think that I'm just getting, like, way too deep into it? Yeah, well, I mean, that's the problem. I mean, I'm looking forward to this match, not for the thing that I think it's going to be great. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be bad, but I'm more interested in seeing the layout of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, just, I don't even know what the, the answer. All, all things considered with what we've seen so far, like what the fuck do they have planned for this match? Yeah. Who do you think is winning? Uh, Alexa. I gotta say Alexa. Yeah. Um, Looking which they get otherwise, but I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so then we had, uh, oh, I just really briefly wanted to touch on the Goldust R-Truth spot. Do you think we'll see a match with them at Extreme Rules? 
Yeah, there's only six matches, so I think that'll be added soon. That'll be a seventh. Yeah, hopefully it winds up on the main show and not the pre-show. They had another Goldust, like a backstage kind of a vignette, Shatter Dreams Productions, and then it was interrupted by, I don't know, R-Truth Productions. I forget exactly how it was phrased, but I-, I thought it was really clever how he's quoting Pulp Fiction, blah, blah, blah. I was definitely into it. I mean, they're using both of these guys more than they otherwise would, and they're both obviously talented. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I kind of wish this happened a little earlier just so Goldust could have had a few more of those promo segments to make our truth more effective. Because it was only like the second week and then our truth and you know, did the Suddenly. whole cutaway. So I, I think it would have been better if it was a couple more weeks down the line. Totally. But I still like, enjoyed it. I our, think they both showed off a lot of personality. And also, we know that Goldust had that uh, Hollywood backlot, back, uh, back, backlot brawl at WrestleMania with Reddy Piper. And I'm easy for you to say. That they, yeah, I, I, I kind of wish that they built this ahead of time also because this could have been another extreme stipulation. Maybe yeah. they could play off that. Because, I mean, the bit blood could have been there, but it's going to be like a throwaway match. I do think it'll make the main card. There's usually at least seven matches on the pay-per-view. Yeah. So I'm thinking this is going to be the one that's added. So, totally, uh, but, yeah, totally. I, I but, enjoyed it. Okay, um, I think you're totally right about having more time. Goldust is back in the director's chair for only a second week now, and suddenly R-Truth already has an answer to it. It's kind of like, well, it's not even that impressive. Goldust, if anybody, even R-Truth can do it. So I definitely agree with you on that. I wish there was more time in between. Uh, yeah. And also, as far as the backlap roll goes, man, you definitely have high hopes for this uh, <laughs> this Goldust run. I'm just hoping to see them together in the ring on Sunday, even though there hasn't been a whole lot of build. Um, but, I mean, yeah, backlap brawl would be that much more amazing and very much not likely. At yeah, this, well, I mean, you know, stage. my ultimate dream for Goldust is to be entering a, the icy title picture with Dean Ambrose. So that's even more of a hype dream. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you build him with the R-Truth feud and then he's kind of closer to Ambrose. Whereas Truth Goldust, I mean, it was great when Goldust turned, but the fact of the matter is these guys have been jobbers for God knows how long. So you can't, you know, just this pairing of a feud for me just doesn't seem like something WWE would do. Not that they shouldn't, but um, right, right, that's right. all. I'm just talking about the likelihood of it. Uh, but yeah, and dude, Dean Ambrose, Goldust, a sick Goldust heel run, as much as I want to see Ambrose turn heel, that's a great call. That's like the modern-day Goldust versus Razor. Yeah, definitely. Very good call. I hope we get that for SummerSlam. Let's, should we touch on the rest of the Extreme Rules card that we haven't really yet talked about? Yeah, sure. Well, one thing that we could actually talk about, which can hit two of the matches, is I just wanted to say how, you know, there is a formulaic opening to mostly Raw shows, but even SmackDown does it and did it this week. How yeah. you have a promo segment, and then everyone else comes out, they fight, it leads to a tag match, or whatever the case may be. And unfortunately, Raw did that again this week. What I did enjoy is that it's the first time in a while that two secondary titles were put in that opening slot, which does raise the importance of it. It also was helpful that Dean Ambrose, former world champion, is the IC champion right now, and the Hardy Boys, a very hot commodity right now, are the tag champions. So that, in general, helps the secondary titles. Yeah. And although it was the six-man tag match combining two feuds, it was kind of lazy. I did like how that was put in the opening spot to both the promo and the tag match, even if it wasn't all inspiring. Yeah. Uh, but those two matches should be interesting this um, Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Jeff got the pin? Uh, yeah, Jeff Hardy pinned the Miz after Swanton. Man, let me ask you, is it just me, or do Seamus and Cesaro, like, 
absolutely have to win this match on Sunday if they have if they're to have any hopes of just having any credibility whatsoever beyond it going forward. I mean, I mean, I mean, obviously the WWE want to make the Hardys look good. It's all they've been doing since they returned to WrestleMania. But my question is, at what cost? You know, Sheamus and Cesaro are both, I think, really, really well. Sheamus, at least, underrated, and both really, really talented wrestlers. And they just they can't get a win to save their lives against the Hardys. Like, are are the Hardys just that good, or are Sheamus and Cesaro just complete shit? Uh, yeah, I mean, if Cesaro and Sheamus were booked better upon turning heel, I wouldn't mind it. But I wasn't a fan of them turning heel, but just because them getting jackets and I didn't even like their promos, or I just I don't know nothing about what they've done with them so far has made me believe that them turning heel was worth it. Yeah. And even with them losing so much, I mean, I agree with you, they do have to win on Sunday. My only thing that I would, I guess, wish for book is that they don't win, and Cesaro <laughs> kind, of gets, kind of gets set up with Sheamus, and then just automatically goes face, and then they break up. And this is assuming the end zone cast don't break up, because you can't have both of them breaking up. Right. But at SummerSlam, you have, last year at SummerSlam was, I don't think it was the first, I think it was the second or third in their best of seven series, and yeah. it would be kind of poetic that a year later they finally finished that match, and you could put like a no holds barred stipulation on it because their final match was so good, and that's what led them to becoming a tag team. Right. And right. maybe you have oh. Cesaro go over, and then Cesaro's the good guy again going forward. So that's right. how I would, I guess, book everything. If yeah. They were to if not, they have to win. Yeah, I'm not going to fault you for it, but I definitely find that to be a little wishful. <laughs> it's all in a day's work on this show. Absolutely. But if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure that it was the first match of their Best of Seven series that they had at SummerSlam. But it wasn't, because they definitely wrestled at least a couple times leading to the series. Because I remember when they when he announced the series, it was like, well, that's great, but we've already seen these guys wrestle a few times. Um, yeah, I'm actually looking it up real quick. Okay. Um, yeah, it was the first. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. And um, it was on the pre-show. Oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, yeah. that would definitely be a way for it to come full circle, if indeed that is their goal. I just, it's a little, you know, they did just turn heel, and, you know, they have really kind of focused since then on Cesaro's fans and how they turned their back, and he's fed up. I definitely think that there's more potential in both these guys than is being utilized currently. So yeah. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you in that regard, for sure. But I guess, I yeah, I think Sheamus and Cesaro have to win the titles this Sunday. I don't necessarily think they're going to, but I think that's what I would predict. Yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, and I still, I wish that Sheamus and Cesaro won as a team and they chose a stipulation because I'm still not understanding why Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy would want to be in a steel cage with them. Yeah, well, what don't you get? And it's it's the because they would really want to be in a ladder match with them, but the two teams were just involved in a ladder match a couple months ago, and apparently the Hardys take that into consideration. Even though it's their favorite match. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I am excited to see this match, though. Yeah, I would imagine Jeff Hardy is going off the top of that cage. Um, oh, tr- yeah. Try and stop him. Uh, and then what about Dean Ambrose and The Miz? What do you see happening there? Man, I, I... You would think that The Miz would find a way for Ambrose to get himself disqualified, which would win the title for The Miz. Um, and maybe it's just that I don't want to see him as a seven-time champion even though I'll admit he has been a better champion as of late than Ambrose. Um, yeah. I don't think they're going to go with the most obvious thing in this case. I could see 
like, you know, you turn it on its head where Ambrose kind of does what Miz would, you would think, be planning on trying to do. Ambrose kind of beats him to the punch, since that's kind of an Ambrose's character, too. Just something different than what you would think, which is that Miz would win the title by DQ. So you think Ambrose is going to retain somehow? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, honestly, the easiest way to book this match would be for Maurice to hit or punch or give, you know, do something to the Miz. Right. Um, but I'm, you can't see I'm Angle still, letting them get away with that, right? So you're saying like... Well, that's, yeah. that's my main issue is that I saw Kurt Angle, the fact that he just like, gave in to the heel's request. I was expecting in the week following up to that announcement for him to say, but Maurice is banned from ringside. I don't know, something. And there was something, nothing like yeah. that. So I think Ambrose is going to retain. And honestly, I was so impressed with Elias Sampson and his match with Dean Ambrose. Yeah. I would have Elias Sampson be the one to beat Dean Ambrose for the IC Championship. So I want Ambrose to retain. Wow. I and think that Elias would... Sampson really looked good. Really quickly, I think that that match was good. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. That that match that they had a couple weeks ago, where Miz wound up coming in and attacking Samson so that he would get the victory. Yeah, it was a really physical match. I didn't I didn't really hear anybody talking about that, and I'm glad you brought that up because that def- he impressed me too, especially for a, a Raw debut. I don't know about winning the title off of Ambrose. I'd probably sooner give it to Goldust in their, <laughs> you know, in their wishful booking feud. But I wouldn't think you would have been that impressed. But yeah, he he was good. I can't deny that. Yeah, and I mean, if he's the type of star, I think that he has a lot to offer on the main roster. And I think that he's had it for a while, but now is the time to call him up. And I think that that's why he may be elevated a little faster than we may have imagined. I wouldn't be surprised. And I think he can handle that spotlight as well. Yeah, the performance that he's turned in so far it helps make that case. My friend Matt said he looks like, uh, the first time he saw Elias Sampson, he said he looks like a super shredder version of Seth Rollins. Just like a proportionately <laughs> bigger, meatier. The big dude. Beardier version of Seth Rollins, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, is Yeah, he is a real big dude. And yet his match with Ambrose, like you were saying, was like very physical. And uh, I'm into it. I'm definitely into it. Oh, we haven't talked about the Cruiserweight title match, the submission match for Extreme Rules. So happy they made this a submission match. And, uh, of course, this kind of depends on the direction they head in this Sunday. But I'm really happy that they gave Aries the submission victory, the first in a while for Neville, uh, on the go-home Monday Night Raw this week. Yeah, I was happy about that as well. Did you see 205 Live? Mm, I don't think so, no. Well, it's funny because now that they have a second Cruiserweight show... Yes, Monday Night Raw is the go-home show, but in 205 Live, Neville got the last laugh, and he tapped out Aries. Oh. It wasn't a match, but they had a promo segment, and it ended with Neville giving Aries a ring of Saturn, and Aries tapped out. So wow. technically, Neville has the, the momentum. Not everyone knows that. So right. I'm going to say that Neville retains here. I think that often Aries trying so hard. I mean, yes, Neville did cheat, and there's a story there for Aries to be given these subsequent rematches, but at the same time, then we'll have to see it again in a rematch. So I'm kind of thinking that it ends here. Maybe Neville still winds up cheating somehow, but I think that maybe Cedric Alexander is going to be the one to to throw Neville eventually. So I'm going to put my money on Neville this Sunday. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know if, I guess, would you you would probably expect me to go for Aries, right? Prediction-wise? Yeah, I don't think that's crazy either. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he wins. I just, I don't know. 
I, I, I'm just not positive. But if yeah. he does, I don't think it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and you know what? I think you, you made a pretty good case here about uh, the rematch. I think we're definitely done seeing Aries and Neville after this for a little while. So I guess based on that alone, I'll join you in saying... More likely than not, Neville retains the title. Although, like you, I definitely wouldn't be surprised if Aries pulls out the victory, and pleasantly so. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what else haven't we talked about? I think the main event is the last thing, right? Yeah. Um, well, unless we want to... I mean, there's a mixed tag. We don't really have to talk about that. Oh, God. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I just real quick about that mixed tag is that I, I don't know if they think that Sasha Banks is going to help like, pull in more network subscriptions or more viewers to Five Live, but I'm just really praying that they are just giving her something to do because they want to keep her relevant and maybe help the cruiserweights, but it's just, I don't know. It, it, yeah, I'm it's, assuming... It's you know, a head Alicia scratcher. Fox must be done... I'm, I'm assuming Alicia Fox must be either getting done soon because it's been kind of weird how they've been using her so much, but, like, keeping Mickey James, Mickey James and Nia Jax in the back burner... Yeah. So I feel like Alicia Fox's contract may be running out soon, and they're getting the, the last amount of juice they can out of her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's, I, but, could, uh, I could see that. <laughs> you definitely want to mine as much Fox juice as you can while you've got Alicia under contract. That is a good point. Um, and I hope Sasha Banks wins, obviously. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I really don't have anything to say. I, I hope... I definitely hope that Fox doesn't pin Sasha. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, the Fatal Five-Way, let's go through. I, I texted you my... I keep going back and forth. We we're going to do, like, a power rankings type thing for uh, who we think will win. Um, I just... Finn, I feel like they're they're just being a little too blatant about the fact that he's, you know, got to be the favorite if you're watching the weeks of TV leading to the event. And I just, I'm not sure that that's what they're actually going to do or if he's just a red herring. Um, so I, so what I texted you was I had Seth in the number one spot strictly because I realized to anyone listening that definitely comes out of left field, but that's kind of why is because I feel like he, his name is being discussed the least as a possible winner to go on and face Brock Lesnar. And you also got to keep in mind, dude, this is going to be like a one and done, you know? Like, as much as I want to see uh, Finn involved in a great program with Lesnar, and as much as I want to see Joe involved in a great program with Lesnar, and Bray follow up the program that they started, you know, now years back, I, you gotta, this is a one, this is gonna be a one and done, it's most likely gonna be used for Lesnar to beat whoever wins the five-way and move on. So with that in mind, you know, I I think Seth may be the most bulletproof as far as, uh, you know, um, withstanding that situation goes, and so that's where my head's at currently what what are your what are your thoughts i know you disagree about seth in the number one spot uh well you you have i mean talking to you it, it does make a lot i mean first of all everyone i mean if you don't know seth rollins is my favorite wrestler in terms of listeners so i would love for him to win you and have you have now hit, you, you've now hit your quota of making sure you say that at least once per episode just so you know <laughs> well just just so we know that what yeah we're saying that i disagree with you, i disagree with you but i also do i mean i would love for him to it breaks your heart too he is, you know, as you said, I do agree with you that he is bulletproof and he has established being a former champion and there's a built-in story there. So, you know, I, that's why when they were building a Finn Balor, I can't see them feeding him to Lesnar. I just can't. Um, so yeah. my number one pick would be Bray Wyatt. Okay. Uh, just because I feel like he's another one who, although he loses a lot, he can also, he's not that he's bulletproof, but being in a program 
with Lesnar in general would, would elevate him a bit. And even if he puts up a decent fight, would also elevate him. Uh, also, if you want to really protect Wyatt, Wyatt and Balor started a program that I assume would have had a match at Extreme Rules had Braun Strowman not gotten injured. Because we all know it would have been Roman versus Braun. Yeah. So maybe you have Bray, maybe you, like, you know, the triple threat match this past Monday, you had Samoa Joe sneak in the victory. Maybe you could have Ben Balor do the coup de grace on someone. Bray Wyatt then decides to swoop in and get the pinfall. Bray Wyatt and Finn already have some past history. And then maybe Finn somehow caught uh, Wyatt the match against Lesnar. Even though Lesnar can beat Wyatt believably. I'm not saying that right. he needs. But it could also help move that feud along. So that's why I yeah. would pick Bray. And that's why I would wish for book the match as well. Okay. So I book that all the way up to SummerSlam. Okay. Um, okay. Then I have Seth Rollins. I, I, my second would be Seth Rollins. Uh, my third oh, okay. is Finn Balor. Yeah, my my third is Finn Balor, my fourth is Samoa Joe, and my fifth is Roman Reigns. Okay, yeah, well then we definitely agree on number five, obviously. Um, yeah, there's no, there's absolutely no, no, I mean, I mean, that sounds so ignorant from a 2017, you know, wrestling fan to say that there's no way Roman can win, but they have too much stock in Roman to give him a throwaway match at one pay-per-view. Yeah. That's what we have to kind of look at here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, unless Braun Strowman is ready to go at Great Bulls of Fire and Roman does win, but Braun breaks it up, okay. leading, to a triple threat at, leading to a triple threat at SummerSlam yeah. between Braun, Roman, and Brock, that's possible. Right. But um, That's definitely but yeah, a factor. I'm, I'm, so, yeah, I'm going with, with Wyatt. Okay. Um, yeah. And also, on a side note, the Roman Reigns-Seth Rollins match was, I feel like, ten times better than their Money in the Bank match last year. Really? Oh, I haven't, wow, I haven't, it was a great match on Raw, I don't, you know, their Money in the Bank match, obviously not fresh in my head. Um, yeah, it was really good, and the triple threat was good too, so I'm really interested in seeing the, these five guys, and I wonder how the Extreme Rules stipulation is going to affect the, the the booking of the match, because that's yeah. another, you know, thing to kind of think about, so yeah. I'm really excited for this. Well, this being a five-way, when we mentioned, uh, you know, right now there's only six matches scheduled for the card. This being a five-way, an Extreme Rules match um, with the top, basically the top five guys on Raw, not including the champion, obviously. I feel like, or at least I hope, I would think it would be a nice long match, like kind of, you know, along the lines of Survivor Series, uh, the five-on-five last year. Like just a a very eventful, very, you know, a, a lot of big spots. And uh, hopefully, just kind of uh, very entertaining, but a, a, a very time-consuming because I want to. I, I mean, honestly, I just I want to spend a lot of time watching these five guys, you know, pair off and do different combinations and a lot of lot of potential here. Uh, bringing up Ron's injury definitely relevant. I think that has a lot of bearing on uh, you know the future of the Universal Title scene in the next couple months. Obviously, leading to SummerSlam, we know their initial plans to do Braun versus Brock at. Great balls of fire, so that's definitely a good point. Um, so that you know, kind of up in the air because we obviously don't know what his situation is, what his timeline is. Uh, just a few quick points that I had for the uh, fatal five way. Pretty much everyone can agree that Roman Reigns is the least likely uh, winner for this match. How cool would it be if WWE just you know said screw it and went with Roman as a way to let everyone know, you know what? All right, fine. We're not holding Lesnar versus Reigns for WrestleMania. We know Roman isn't the guy we wanted him to be at this point. And so he can win the five-way and he can get beat by Lesnar at Great Balls of Fire. And then we can 
go on with personalities that the fans are more naturally drawn to. Obviously, that's the ultimate wishful booking right there. Oh, yeah. I mean, but, but, and I and a couple other podcasts said this, but I wouldn't even be surprised if they give it away soon and they redo it at WrestleMania. Really? So, yeah, I mean, I don't think that's probable. I mean, I think they're, they're, I think they're either going to hold it off or do it now, one of the two. But, I mean, also, if you consider Brock's date and how he isn't often around, I mean, they could have maybe, you know, Roman beat Brock and then it takes all the way to WrestleMania to have a fair one on one rematch. So, you know, I would love for that to happen, but I could just see them still being stubborn with sticking with somehow having Brock and Roman in that main event still. Yeah, yeah, most likely that's what they're going with. Just another thought I had with the five-way, I mean, another very unlikely, don't even know why it jumped into my head, but what if Brock Lesnar came out and just attacked everyone in the match and just kind of led to a no contest and then I guess ultimately build to like a big six-way match for the title? I don't even know why I thought of that, and I, I, you know, do you have any any thoughts on the unlikelihood of that? <laughs> um, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's unlikely. Knowing Brock's date, though, it would be kind of surprising for them to, to just have him appear with no, um, you know, maybe even have him like I don't know, say that he's in the um, like what are those called, like a viewing box, watching the match. Oh I yeah, mean, like, like the said, sky it, box. It, it, it's not the sky box. Yeah, I mean. I, I don't think it's impossible. I think it'd be cool. And also, just because SmackDown has an elim- Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, much like you and I talk about how SmackDown only has money in the bank, I would love for them to bring back the Chamber for a Raw pay-per-view as well, and that would be a perfect format to do it in. Yeah, that's if a good, that, that's a great that call. Was, uh, six people. Yeah. So, I mean, I would... That, would, that would be that. an awesome uh, main event for Great Balls of Fire. And it would completely help that name. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, probably, now this is, we're getting into some, like, super, super wishful booking territory, but yeah, that would definitely, (laughs) definitely go a long way in that regard. Was there anything else that you had to say about the five-way? I think I about, did I, did I actually go through what my, my ranking? I had, uh, oh, I did. Seth. Do uh, do it again, maybe I'm not positive. So, going most to least likely, Seth, Finn, Joe, Bray, Roman. Okay. That's it. There it is. Those are my cards all out on the table. Thank you for joining us, guys. You can uh, catch us on Twitter. I am at RealHugeActor. My name is Jimmy Moorcraft, and I am at Dr. Moorcraft. And you've been listening to Wishful Booking. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you on the other side of Extreme Rules. Later. Later, guys.